This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You are watching and listening to Chris and Leicester Till I Die TV on YouTube and your favourite podcasts. Hi everybody, Jerry Taggart here. Now be sure to watch Chris and Leicester Till I Die TV by subscribing on YouTube and following them on social media for all the latest Leicester City news and information. Come on you foxes! Fancy an idea with the eight with the eight with the eight? It's the X on the pitch show with Chris and Xbox Julian Watts looking back at the past week at all things Leicester City. Right, Chris. Good evening, fellow Fox fans. How the devil are we? Yes, it's our hour with the X, um, but don't tell the real X because you'll wonder wonder what I've been up to. Uh, how the devil are you all? Um Ready for the break? We've got an international break. Has that come at the right time for Leicester? It's that time again, isn't it? We've got um, uh, our ex-player Julian Watts, who's going to join us in a second. This is Leicester Till I Die TV. Thanks for watching. You can catch us tonight live on Facebook. It's back on Facebook. Uh, Of course, it was down yesterday, so some of you may have uh, missed the nudes that I posted on on Facebook and Instagram, but, you know, (laughs) such is life. Sorry about that. Uh, At Leicester TID is how you can find us on Twitter and Leicester Till I Die TV um over on youtube and if you are on youtube or if you're not on youtube get over there press that subscribe button and also consider making a donation it helps uh, take the the uh, channel along also 
If you want to listen rather than watch, uh, about 10 minutes after the show finishes, it's going to be live on all our podcasts. Well, it won't be live because it'll be uh, catch up on all the major podcast platforms. Just search for the bot. You have to say the podcast, Lester Till I Die, on Amazon Music, Apple iTunes, Google, Anchor, Spotify, and Podcast Addict, just to name a few. Julian will say, bring him in and say, good, good evening, Julian. Did you, you miss my nudes as well last night, I'm guessing? I did, yeah. <laughs> I think we missed everything with uh, with the big outage, unfortunately. It did. Well, I thought, you know, it was just unfortunate. That was the time when I thought I'd, I'd put, I'd, you know, put up my poster pictures. But there we go. You know, <laughs> my my secret is still safe, as they say. How are you doing? Are you well, sir? Yeah, good. It's a bit blustery up here tonight, but uh, yeah, not too bad. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's uh, cold up north. Where about? Because you obviously you're not in Leicester, are you? No, North North Nottinghamshire. So just um, between Mansfield and and Worksop, little village. Well, you know it's always going to be horrible weather in Nottinghamshire, don't you? I mean, what do you, what do you expect, really? You know. Uh, so, as normal, we're going to have four topics. Let's just quickly run uh, run through these. So, uh, something I know you wanted to talk about: Damari Gray. Have Everton got the player we thought we were getting? Um, Kalecci and Acho there. Who's to blame? Wasn't allowed into Poland. Is it the player's responsibility to? Um, get their paperwork right, or is it the club's responsibility? And talking of Europe, are we on the way out, and are we going to be leaving Europe quicker than uh, than Brexit? And managers, let's be honest with you, it's a godforsaken job, isn't it? I mean, most managers these days survive on the severance pay more than the normal wages. And then at the end, if you guys that are watching have got any questions for Julian, uh, stick them in the comments. We won't ask them as we go along. We're going to be uh, concentrating on those four topics, but we will ask them all at the end. And I'm sure he can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, if Terry joins us, I know he's already got his question ready. He had his question ready last night. So <laughs> I don't know whether he will be joining us or not. But let's start off. And this is a, a topic I know you want to talk, talk about. And Damari Gray. I mean, he was at Leicester for quite a few years and signed. And I, I've got a friend who, who's a Birmingham fan, and he was really disappointed to, to see him go. And he had potential. And when he had the ball, he was one of the few, quite often, you know, under Puel and what have you, that wanted to attack. But from 15, 2015 to 2021, you've got probably four or five managers in there that just for some reason didn't like him. He went to the Bundesliga for a season. He's come back to Everton. And I know we're early days yet, but he's uh, he's performing quite well. Yeah, he is. And, and I think it's interesting what you touched on there about the, you know, how many different managers he had at Leicester and maybe difficult to settle in with. I mean, obviously every manager's got a different personality. Uh, will think something different of Damari himself, of, of where he'd fit into their formations, their tactics. And and still, he was still growing as a footballer at that time as well. So yeah. I, I would imagine, and you know, I don't know the lad, but it would probably be in a very difficult time for him uh, in his career to, you know, to sort of establish himself. But I think as supporters and people looking from the outside, we saw someone with a lot of potential that, you know, from our side of it, that never yeah. quite produced to the level that we thought it could week in, week out. And I've always said about younger players that they struggle to be consistent week in, week out. And that just comes with age and experience. But I think we probably would look at him and think quite a frustrating player. But again, turn it turn that on the other side. And was it the fact of, you know, all the different managers and, 
you know, what he had to cope with at probably a really important stage of his career. Yeah, I think, I'm, I can't remember it was in 2015, it was with the, the end of the Pearson era or the start of the Ranieri period when, it, when he came in, but he just, was he too young? For, I mean, or can you be too young for sort of the move up to the Premier League? I mean, he got a Premier League winner's medal with us. I think it was Pearson that, that brought him in. Um, and like I say, he, he was when he when he was on the pitch, he was one of the few under certain managers that did want to go forward. Yeah, and I think also another another sort of difficulty for him, and again, this is uh, supporters looking at the situation, is that, you know, as he's coming on and coming through the ranks, so is Harvey Barnes, but, you know, Harvey's yeah. pushed past and pushed through uh, and, you know, made himself, you know, depending on the formation, um, yeah. more or less an ever-present or, you know, he's there or thereabouts all the time. And and again, with Damari, he's never really quite, or he didn't get to that level, I will correct myself there, he didn't get to that mm. level with Leicester. And I think, again, you know, everyone looking from the outside would have thought, you know, that Brendan made a wise decision that, um, you know, that he, he wasn't quite going to make it. They'd probably mm. spent as much time as they wanted to with him, thought he'd got as far as he was going to go as a Leicester City player. Uh, and then let him go. And, and again, that might have had a great effect on him to go to the Bundesliga, play more regularly, maybe a bit of a wake-up call uh, mentally, but just that, you know, the regular games. And then obviously, yeah. you know, Rafa Benitez, who I think is an excellent manager and he's proved that signing, you know, Damari and Andros Townsend. And, you know, not every manager in the Premier League would have been looking at those two signings. And they're probably two of his best attacking players that he's got in his Everton squad at the moment. Yeah, Rob. Good evening, sir. How the devil are you? Uh, says here, Demari looked like he lost confidence, and managers never trusted him enough to give him a, a long stint in the team. Um, I mean, he, he was the perennial substitution, he, he got very few starts. He seemed to be one of those players, and I said this funny enough about uh, Adamola Luckman the other day is when the, some of these players come on as subs. They're absolutely brilliant. You think, wow, this is the real deal. Then you put them on from the start and they're rubbish, to be honest with you. And uh, Lockman's done that a little bit. Uh, but I think that was Damari Gray. He always flattered. And and you look to and say he'd come on for the last 20 minutes. And maybe because he was fresh, I don't know. But stick him on from the start. And it's like nine times out of ten, he got taken off. I think I think again with both like Luckman and and Gray is that the very attacking players and when they're put on with twenty minutes to go, it, it's probably because we need something. I mean, it's not a kind of substitution you yeah. make if you're in front and you want to sort of manage the game better to a victory. So they, they come on then and, and it's probably all energy and it's all out attacking and they don't probably have to worry so much about you know the defensive duties when they start mm. the game. They'll have been working on the training ground all week and you know it's what position you should be in when the ball's there and you've got to look after this man and you know he's dangerous and he cuts inside. And there's a lot more, you know, complexity to, to your position when you're playing the full 90 minutes than there is that in that 20 minutes when it's, you know, many managers said, go and get me a goal or go, you know, go and create something for me. And you're really going on there. It's like a, you know, it's like a free go, if you like. You're just going on really yeah. to try and produce something to help the team that obviously needs a goal at the time. I'm just looking here. He actually, funnily, I didn't realize he only played 12 times for Leverkusen, uh, scoring a goal. Uh, he got 13 goals for us, it's usually about two, four, three a season. But I guess he will always be remembered for getting the goal just after the chairman um, had his horrible accident in the in in the uh, um, in the helicopter, and obviously taking his top off, he had the shirt on underneath and got booked for it. 
Um, not that the referee had any choice. You can see the referee was going like, why have you done this to me? Um, but, I mean, he'll always be remembered for that. Yeah, I mean, it was a difficult time, obviously, for everybody at the club. And, and, and you know, he was part of the squad for that. And there's, I think there's that sort of great family feeling that Leicester City have got. And I've said many a times, there's probably every team in the Premier League's uh, quite jealous of the the atmosphere and the sort of relationships, you know, within the hierarchy of the club to the fans, to the supporters. And he was part of that at times. So, you know, he all have a special place in in you know, some supporters' hearts, particularly at that time. But I think Rob made a good point earlier. Now, is it his confidence that, you know, managers didn't mm. seem to trust him if you're only getting scraps here and there? Uh, and that that can really sort of, you know, equate your confidence. And sometimes when you do come on, you, you're not feeling at your best and you can't do yourself justice. And like I say, from my point of view, when he, when he did leave, you know, you felt it was the right time. You felt as an outsider mm. that he'd... he'd you know, he'd done what he could do. He tried his best. He'd got to a certain point, but it didn't look like he was ever going to break through into the first team and become a regular, you know, in the starting 11. And at that point, do you think, well, if he's not going to be in the starting 11, is he going to be, you know, is, is he too weak, you know, as a squad player? Have we got other players uh, that are better coming through? Again, point back to Harvey Barnes, who obviously is. Uh, and all all that weighed up and, you know, maybe contractually where he was. It, you know, it made a decision that it, it was to leave. And like I say, I, I personally thought it was right at the time, but and I, I'm genuinely yeah. pleased. Unfortunately, it's not in a Leicester shirt, but he's come back mm. and, you know, you can see the form he's here at the moment. He's obviously in a lot, much happier place. I mean, this is it. I mean, you know, you, we he did go through quite a few different managers at Leicester and that's never easy for a player. But just because you sign a player it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be brilliant at our club just because they were brilliant at another club. I mean, Gokhlan Inler, he was a, you know, Swiss captain, Swiss, you know, captain of the national team. Um, didn't really do anything, you know, when he signed for us. Just because you sign a good player doesn't mm. mean that you're going to get the best out of them. No, and I fully agree with that, Chris, because when, I, when we were look, I was thinking about, you know, Damari Gray today and you're talking about someone who's not done so well somewhere but then moved on and, and found a better place, you know, then you do, it, it's more noticeable the players that did go somewhere else. And there's some really big names. I mean, you know, if you remember uh, Torres, who was at Liverpool and absolutely mm -hmm. adored and couldn't stop scoring, and then goes to yeah. Chelsea and in his career, yeah. I mean, it doesn't come to an Alks as an international, but it, it was quite an awkward time. I used to watch it and I'd, yeah. I'd actually have a lot of sympathy for watching him because it was like he was lost in, in a different team mm. with a slightly different style of play. Whereas at Liverpool, he was running onto the ball and scoring, probably had his back to goal more at, at Chelsea uh, and found it so, so hard. And I remember him scoring in the Champions League final. I was like, Thank God for that. You know, something good yes. has come out of this move. And it was about the only good thing that came out of the move. And it was, you know, it was a, a real tough time for the player. And, you know, like you say, he's a great player. He wanted the move. He's gone to a so-called, what he thought at the time was a bigger club. Uh, and and it's, it's not ruined his career because of his status. But, God, it must have been a, a terrible period for him, you know, mentally. Uh, and, and then you look at some more recent ones, and one of them's only just unravelling at the moment. But I look at Van der Beek and... Apparently, yeah. Solskjaer persuaded him to stay after he's been there a year and never been a part of anything. I'm amazed he has, and I hear now that he is wanting to move on. But then also, you know, Sancho coming in, why why bring in a player for that money and not integrate him quite quickly into the team? Because if he's not worthy of playing in, in the team at the moment, you wouldn't have paid that fee for him. So, you know, there's some quickly, you know, quite yeah. easily in the modern-day game, you know, uh, examples. Pino Werner at Chelsea. Came in with a big reputation, couldn't score, 
<laughs> off, off, off his off his bottom, you know. Yeah. And then also as well, you know, you look at these players and you think, well, they've been absolutely rubbish for us. They then move, like like um, Rob said there, you know, come under a different manager and it just clicks. And you know, Benitez and I, I think Benitez is an excellent signing for Everton. I really do. Mm. Um, but you know, he's talking him up, filling him with confidence, and that can happen. You can move, you can move to a club. And and as it, it can obviously also work that you move to the club because of the manager, and then two weeks later the manager gets sacked and your plans are up in smoke. <laughs> we'll come on to that later. Uh, hi to Static, by the way. Good evening, sir. How are you? But yes, I mean, like you say, just because they were bad with you. I mean, how many players have we signed recently that just haven't haven't gelled for whatever reason under what was the most recent probably that we had Slomani, um you had Musa. I mean whether you argue they didn't get the chance or whatever you but they just didn't they just didn't click under our managers and it wasn't I don't think that they were bad players but it happens doesn't it? Oh it, it doesn't you know it, I don't think you can blame the player who's coming into a different environment. Um you know like I say a style of play it's a different league sometimes if they're coming from abroad you know, it's the cultural side of it. So, you know, a lot of changes in, in someone's life and they can find mm. it difficult. And it, and again, it's that thing that we, we talk a lot more now than we, we did do 20 years ago is that, you know, the confidence, it really can, yeah. you know, eke away at you. And then it affects your games. It starts affecting the way you play, the way you, you would have played before when you were confident. You make different decisions and, you know, it, it can become a, a, a quite... Um, debilitating you know sort of thing that you're not playing your natural mm. game that you've always have done because you're worried about making the mistakes rather having the freedom to go and you know show exactly what you've got and it doesn't necessarily mean you know like those sites oh we shouldn't have let him go because he got two in this game you know he has only scored three goals he's no he's no sort of necessarily better off now than the you know than, than mm. harvey barnes or, or whatever but he had one good game but again he wasn't doing it at Leicester. And I wish the lad well. I, I really do. And I, and I thought he had great potential. But sometimes players do need to move on, don't they? And that's I think that's what's happened with Damari Gray. Yeah, I do. And I think if you look at, if you look at like, and again, I go to Damari and to Andros Townsend, you know, Rafa's brought them in to be in his starting eleven, And that must be a great boost for those as players. You know, Townsend wasn't an ever-present in the Palace side. I think he's the top scorer at Everton at the moment. You know, Damari's obviously had a tough time at Leicester. He's been away to the Bundesliga, come back, you know, looks like a new player. But, you know, he would have been having talks and, and Rafa's obviously saying to him, you know, I don't want you to come here and be a part of the squad. You know, you're, you're out there in my starting eleven, And that yeah. must, you know, give him the utmost confidence. And, and you can see that in his play. He, I mean, he, he just looks sharper, fitter, quicker. He just looks totally different on the pitch. Uh, playing in, you know, what is a, at the moment a really good Everton team. Rob said here, uh, Kramerich was another example. <laughs> we let him go and uh, he's doing absolutely brilliant in Germany. But, you know, at that particular point, he was never going to displace, well, at that point, we didn't know how good Vardy was going to be, obviously. And, and Nugent, who were the, the, the front two at the time. Um, again, I thought when he came on, he looked he looked smart and he wanted to attack. But it was that, like we said before, that last twenty minutes syndrome. But yeah. but it happens, and and I think we have to accept sometimes. You know, we do let these players go, and it's very easy to say, "Oh, look what they're doing for that team." But they might just fit better into that team than. Yeah. 
um, uh, than our our team. And we have to accept that, you know, and and not every signing we will make. I mean, even the great Sir Alex Ferguson made some naff signings in his time, you know, and and it happens. But... um, I think he'll. I think he, you know, like you said, I think he's he's found a good fit with um, with Rafa Benitez. But um, yeah. But moving on then to um, our second topic that we're going to cover tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody at Leicester, I think, has trouble with paperwork um, because we. I was just reading on online before I came on. Let's not forget that. We 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 missed out by fourteen seconds on Andre Silva when he you know when we signed him for Leicester we were fourteen seconds too late with the deadline. Now I would argue that you know that might not have counted had we been Man United, Man City, <laughs> or Chelsea. But hey, you know shouldn't really say that out loud. And now here we have another um, uh, situation where we don't get the paperwork right. And I was saying, as an ex-player, when you know, when you, tra- I don't know whether you travelled abroad, whether it was friendlies or whatever for Leicester, but did you? It's it's down to the club, isn't it, to check all the paperwork? I'm sure it is. I mean, I can't remember because we did. I remember us going away to Greece once, uh, mm. and I've been away to you know other countries with other clubs. So you know, it, it was that thing that I think you handed your passport, uh, passport in, and they would have, you know, looked at your paperwork for your visas. It's not something that you would have done yourself. That would have. You know, in, in my day, there weren't that many staff at the club and it had just gone to one yeah. secretary who would have probably dealt with it all. But, you know, it's obviously an admin error. And I think the great shame about it is, you know, obviously the results and the fact that it would have started and the fact that it looked like, you know, it, it could have made a difference in what was a, a fairly mediocre performance. So, you know, it's these tiny little things that right now, while we are, you know, not really uh, performing to where we expected to be, that just sort of exacerbate the situation that we're in now. And, uh, you know, very, very unfortunate. And, you know, the result might have been the same, but also it might not have been. I think had we won, <laughs> I think nobody would have would, would have complained, let's be honest, you know. We, we're, we're fickle football fans, as they say. But, you know, I mean, Rob says here, um, do we know if he's, if he's jabbed, though, because Poland not letting you in? Well, I mean... There's this thing at the moment, isn't there, with sort of England players not wanting to be jabbed or being allowed to be play in the World Cup, apparently. But why, when you're a football player, do you think you've got the goddamn right not to get jabbed? Because if you're playing for, and no disrespect to Rochdale, to uh, Bournemouth, you know, to any of these clubs in the lower divisions, it doesn't matter because you, you're not going to be going abroad. But if you're playing for a Premier League club, especially one that's in Europe, uh, or you're a player that wants to be, think you're going to be in the England squad, surely, surely you'd want to get jabbed and cover yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, I think with the jabs, it is a personal choice, but I think they're in, you know, it's such a high-profile sport. Um, and, and it's something that I, I wouldn't, Imagine it was the jab because I'm sure the club doctors would know exactly yeah. who has been and who hasn't been. You know, they must have all that down on file. I mean, they're, they're very meticulous these days. So um, I, I'm, I'm really not sure on that one. And, and, and again, with the players, you know, it is a personal choice. But I think, you know, with the way the rollout of it's gone, you know, you know, I'm, I'm a bit sceptical sometimes about jabs. But, you know, I had both yeah. my eyes uh, as soon as I could because, you know, you just wanted to get back 
back life back to normal. I've lucky enough to have had a, a break in Spain in, in August, which was absolutely fantastic after <laughs> two know. years of not doing so. You know, the jabs yeah. are worth it for that. But, you know, I understand people's apprehensions, but I think we're all as well after the last two years wanting life to get back to normal. So, you know, it is a bit of a surprise. Yeah. I mean, like you say, you know, it is personal choice and we can't say that, you know, you, you, as a player you should have, have, you know, got to have them. But I I, th- I think the doctors will have will have known that and if they if they didn't like like the saying goes you know head should roll because yeah. you know you it's 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 embarrassing really because you know this is a we are a premier league club that's been in the champion league that's won the premier league and yet like with the 14 seconds with with, with silver and the, and the transfer we get a little bit of paper wrong and it's kind of like is it just me or does that only ever seem to happen to leicester uh, no, it's it, it's just like like you say. We we don't know how much it has cost us. You know, he he might mm. have played the game and we might have got beat. We'll we'll never ever know this. But the fact yeah. that you know the manager said afterwards that he would have been involved, which you would assumed he would have, you know, started with the lineup yeah. we went with. That and and it, and it could have changed the result. And and as it goes, you know, it it was a massive massive result on the night, particularly, uh, you know, with the with the uh, Napoli game as well. So. You know, it was a, a real bad night for us, you know, in Europe. And, and mm. it, you know, it possibly, you know, we can't go certainly, but it possibly might have changed if if someone uh, had done the job a little bit better. Indeed. Uh, good evening to And. How the devil are you, sir? Leicester have no money, but we will still win the league. That's what I like. Posi- positivity at the moment. I'm not sure which league you're on about, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, who, who, who knows? Uh, Rene says, um, I, I, I Leicester 4 4 2 with Barding Kalechi against Man United. Do you know what? We tried it against um, at the weekend against Palace yeah. and. <laughs> I've been screaming for four four two, and we were just as shit as we were the week before against Burnley with a different performance. I think at the moment, whatever the problem is, and we touched on it last week, um, whether it's confidence or whatever, at the moment the players just are not firing on all cylinders. And I don't think you can put whatever formation you put out, I don't think it would um it, it, it would work to be honest with you. I think at the moment there's something going on, and hopefully this international break, like I say, has come at the right time. But what you were just saying leaves me very well, I say nicely, nicely is in the loosest possible term, but on to uh Legia Warsaw against Leicester City. One nil with a lucky goal. I have to say lucky goal because it went in off the post. Um one nil, and even whether you got Kalechi there or not. Again, and I don't know if you saw the game, or but it was the performance that is 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 bad at the moment. I think you know, going back to the previous comment about the formations and tying that up, you know, with the European performance, my sort of biggest. I mean, I'd like to see us play a back three, but we simply don't have the players to do it. And my biggest worry at the minute for the team is whatever formation we play, we look like we've got a couple of centre backs who've got no confidence whatsoever. Uh, they're looking totally different players to we've seen them in the past, uh, and I find that a big worry. Uh, going, you know, the following on from from the Warsaw game. I mean, the if if you look at their goal, I think Vestergaard is sort of a couple of yards away, sort of jockeying while someone else is challenging, and it looks to me like he could go and make a challenge or at least get a little bit closer because the guy's got his head down and he stands off and stands off and lets the shot get away. Uh, 
you know, and obviously it goes in and we and we lose one nil. But also in that game, I thought him and Sayunchu, God, they were torn apart at times when they broke mm. and cut inside, and you know, we it, it really looked ever so ever so bad. And you know, I think we've all looked at Sayunchu in previous seasons and thought, what a great signing, you know, he is. Um, and and I do think he's maybe not missing Fafana so much, but obviously Fafana's a great player to play next to. But I, I certainly think the controlling sort of influence of um, or calming influence, I suppose, of Johnny Evans is, is a massive miss to him. Uh, and Vestergaard coming into a team where, as he played in the Southampton team, that have to sit back and soak up pressure. So it's it's, it's an easier game for him where you're, everything's in front of you. Whereas now he's in a bit more of a supposedly progressive team and he's got to be on the front foot and squeezing higher up the pitch. And is that brought him out of his comfort zone? And is it the fact that he's playing with Sionchu, who seems to be a, totally out of form and it's affecting his game as well? But you know, in the in the European game, I thought they looked all over the place. And in the second half um, against Palace, particularly when they brought the two subs on, every time the ball came in the box, Palace looked like they'd, they'd got an opportunity to score. It was, uh, it, it really looks bad at the moment. And that is, for me, like a massive, massive concern. Uh, I mean, I, I, I jokingly said at the start, you know, we could be out of Europe quicker than Brexit at this stage. Um, but, uh, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, as an excuse, but I mean, you look at the group and you think, yeah, Napoli's got to be the favourites. We were the second favourites, then Moscow, then Warsaw. The, the table's on its head at the moment because you've got Legia top with six points, Spartak Moscow second with three, Napoli and Leicester, the two favourites. In fact, the two favourites for the whole competition haven't even won a game yet. You know, it's... You, you wouldn't look at that. You would never... Have, if you'd put a, a bet on it being like that after two games, you'd have got great odds. I know, and the, the, so again, the worrying thing is that you know you'd, you'd want Napoli to go and beat you know Moscow and 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 be ahead mm. of and keep a team down with us, so you know we can yeah. go and beat the two you know the uh, Warsaw and, and Moscow, and we win those three games, and you'd think we'd go through. But now Na, uh, Napoli down there struggling as well, and that is just it's made a difficult situation quite quite a bit worse. Uh, if I'm honest, mm. I mean we definitely need to be you know the other teams, uh, and it'd be it'd be nice, but very difficult to go and get a result uh, away at Napoli. But it's uh, right now it's suddenly become after two games a real tough task, and you know at the moment and the form they're in at the minute, they really need to sort of turn things around, you know, to have any chance of qualifying. I mean. Rob says there, Brendan is weak in European football. His record with Celtic was poor and he's not much better down here in Europe. He has always struggled in Europe. And is it just the, the different style of play? I'm not sure. Um, you know, I, I was so surprised last season when it was it was in Slavia Prague where we oh, yeah yeah we we went away and I thought oh we should really beat them, but when we get them at our place, we'll be fine because we've seen what we've got to to face mm. and you know it was even worse in the in the home leg so you know it is the different styles uh that we come up against but uh i do feel that we should give a better showing in europe than, than we are doing at the moment do you think it's really because let's be honest with you when we got into the champions league we had a great group you know we couldn't have chosen that group better <laughs> if we if we'd have chosen it um last season in the Europa League it was quite a uh uh was an easy group let's be honest West Ham have got that this year West Ham are saying no you know we're happy with our group it's brilliant sort yeah. of thing I suppose at some point we were going to end up with in the group in a group of death as they say so I suppose we can't moan with the last two things we've had but 
we should be doing better than this. But we're not out of it yet, are we? No, we're not out of it. Like I say, you know, we've we've got to go and beat uh, Moscow twice. We've got to beat, you know, uh, Warsaw. So yeah. that's their three games, their nine points that we, that we must get. And then we're hoping then that, you know, Napoli can do exactly the same and, and, and go and beat them all uh, and, you know, take the points off them. And that should pull us pull us through. But the fact that, you know, Warsaw have already got six points after two games, you know, it's a massive catch-up job now. And all they need is, you know, maybe a win in a draw. And it's, um, you know, it's going to be very difficult for us to qualify. Yeah. So it's not over by a long chalk, but, um, you know, the form needs to change. You know, I, I desperately think we need Johnny Evans back. And I mentioned last week, and, you know, Cahill would have been a great signing, yeah. you know, and even even more now as the weeks go by, even more and more, I'm sort of convinced that he would have been a fantastic signing for the club. Uh, but, but we haven't got him and we've, we've got no. to sort of get on with what we've got. Um, and hopefully as players come back, um, you know, we can improve the form and, and, and you know, move on from there. I was speaking actually to a Palace fan last night and because I wanted Cahill, even if we just get a season out of him. But he said yeah. last season at Palace, he was leggy. Right. <laughs> no, he, yeah. But he's got that experience, hasn't he? He's got, yeah. you know, he's, he is another Johnny Evans, if you like. Yeah. And you might yeah. not get two games out of him, but then we might not get two games out of Johnny Evans. But if you can alternate them, yeah. You know, and of course, and we've still got JJ to come back. You know, he, he'll be like a new signing when he comes back, <laughs> and and for Farno, and uh, you know, think, fingers crossed. The worrying thing for me in Europe is that the last game of the group is away to Napoli, <laughs> and that couldn't have been worse for us. No, you know, it's a tough, you know, place to go at any point in the competition. But if, if there's a lot riding on it, and particularly. <laughs> You know, depending on their position as well, we all know what the Italians can, uh, you know, hold on for a draw yeah. if they want to. So, you know, it, it depends on what they need out of the game as well as to, you know, how they approach it. And it, hopefully, you know, I mean, I think we need to hope more than anything else is that we are in a position to affect, you know, the final outcome. So, you know, to be to get to that game and be relying on other results, I think it would be disastrous. So, yeah. you know, like I say, if we can get down and get these next results in uh, and put ourselves in that position. Uh, then you know you you never know, and you know on our day and the players back and what have you, and a few more games under our belt and a bit of form, then you know we can go there and, and get a result easily. But um, uh, yeah, as you know, we, we scored two against them. We were you know uh, and you know we looked quite good at times. So it's not insurmountable, but it's tough. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I remember you know the the, the Champions League. You know, when we needed to, we beat Seville. We beat. We, well, we we didn't beat Atletico Madrid, obviously, but we came back to them, and it was that passion, that fight that that squad had that I don't see in this current squad. And a lot of people have said we don't have a leader on the pitch, but it's surely down to the individuals. Whether there's the I don't I don't know. Like I say, when, when, you know, when we needed the goal, Vardy got the one goal back against Madrid, and we did virtually everything but score. But it's just with this team, I don't know. It's like it's like they're stuck in the third gear. I think the you know in the in the last sort of month or so for me the, the you know it's changed the personnel quite a bit. I think I said on the show last week that you know for me what are the targets for the season? Is it you know is it to qualify for the Champions League through the league position or are we going to go and try and win the cup? And if it was through the league position, then you would have played you know you know given some opportunities out the other night but if you thought you really wanted to win the cup for me personally I would have been more inclined to play you know to start the strongest team 
yeah. you know, in Europe the other night and, and, you know, and take it from there. We've got plenty of time to recover. We can see where the guys were coming into the game on Sunday and, you know, those that have played and, you know, if they could put another shift in again. But I'd have, I'd have rather gone to that strong, won it, and, and then worried about, uh, you know, Palace afterwards, whereas we've gone the other way. Uh, and for me, I think that's sort of bitten us on the backside a little bit, to be honest. And then the European game becomes a downer. Then conceding two late goals becomes a downer. And, and I think yeah. that's one of the problems at the minute. The mood at the club must be must be difficult for the staff to lift the players because, you know, and, and again, throw the paperwork for Iniacho in there. It's just tiny little mistakes here yeah. and there on and off the pitch. Uh, but, you know, we're just still striving. Um, you know, for a decent result. And, you know, we have to look back to the Millwall game for that. Yes, yeah. It, it It's almost like a reality check season, isn't it? You know, you could argue that the last couple of seasons, maybe we were punching above our weight. You know, the top four is against us. I don't think we'll get in the top four. I think that's pretty much sewn up. But mm. there's other clubs that want our fifth position. You know, you've got your West Ham, you've got your Everton's, you know, teams like that that, that, that would challenge us for those. And... It's all I say. It is almost like a case. I think this year of of you know, let's just remember where we are, guys. You know, <laughs> you know. Let's just remember that. I'm not saying we're still little old Leicester by any stretch of the imagination. We're not. But I just think it won't maybe do us any harm just to have a season that does take us back to reality. It, it might do, and, it, and I don't think it's good for the fans in the fact that they'll, they'll, you know the, the season as a whole will be a disappointment. But like you say, I, I think it's that thing of do you know what? There are some good teams in the league because they are. Because West Ham yeah, had a great season last year, and and they've carried mm-hmm. that on to some extent. Um, you know, Man United are stronger. I'm still, you know, I, I still don't think Ollie's maybe the man, but Thanks. they've got such a good <laughs> squad of players that they can go out and and get a result to whoever they put on the pitch. Chelsea chance for the title. Tottenham have been indifferent for the last few years, but is he going to turn it around? I know he's had a, a, a troubled start, but you know if he turns it around, would we finish above Tottenham, which we would have been thought a given before the season kicked off? And then also you've got you know Arsenal situation with Arteta coming in, changing everything around the style, you know a few new people in and out. So they've had a couple of years, but it seems mm-hmm. that after a shaky start again, he's got a bit more st- stability in there. And you know again at the beginning of the season, as I said, we'd have finished above Arsenal, and, and right now. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not overconvinced on that. And and that is again, so you're looking then at six, seven, you know, it really could be sort of a mid-table season, which would, you know, for most fans be a disappointment on what we've done recently. And also what I think the worst thing was the expectations that we came into this season with. It probably the most expectation we've come in any season ever, really, to be honest with you. The thing I'm wondering as well is, I mean, for the last two seasons, we've been in the top four for most of the season and we've just missed out at the end. We've always been looking over our shoulders, maybe a little bit fearful about who's coming up behind us. Oh God, you know, Liverpool, that they were down in seventh, eighth, but they're starting to come back now. We were doing that for the last two seasons. This season, though, obviously it's going to be different because we're the ones coming up from behind. Do you think that psychologically would be, you know, could affect the players, be, be easier for the players knowing that they're the ones doing the catching up? I suppose the only thing, and it's not a great thing to take from it, is that there's not that pressure of maintaining form to stay in the top yeah. four. But the, the danger, if you flip it 180 degrees, is that, you know, any bad result and you can really sort of get sucked into the mire. You know, I don't, you know, better teams have gone down, but I, I don't ever see that, contemplate that this year. Um, but you, you can find yourself just above that. And even that in itself, 
you know, is very, very disappointing and, and not where we want to be as a club. But again, you know, look, with the, the few players that we've got missing, and like I say, for me, I know Rob's just said there, we're not strong enough in certain parts of the pitch. And I agree with that. It, 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 for me, it's that, that central defence really needs, you know, addressing quickly because, you know, however well you're playing, if you're not strong there, you know, we, we, we can always, as we did Saturday, you know, yes. conceded the two goals, two balls in the box, especially the second one. There must have been five or six headers bouncing around in the box and you want just someone to come and take control of that. Uh, and I thought it was a pretty, you know, poor goal, you know, to give away. And that for me is, is, a, is a big failing at the minute that even if we do start to play a little bit better, there's always, mm-hmm. you know, that moment when when we can get, we can undo a lot of hard work in a, you know, good work in a game. Going back to what we said at the start, Schluck would have never scored like that for us. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Sod's law, that, you know. That'd have been, if it had been in a Leicester shirt, that'd have been in Rose Ed, you know. A lot of people have been, and I was as well. I mean, as yes, Cahill, I, I, I wanted Cahill because, you know, he basically he was on a free, uh, so he wouldn't have cost us. And I think, yes, Tarkovsky was the one that everybody was saying we should get in, we should get in. But, I think it would have cost a lot more than the 15 million that Vestergaard did, although we'd been interested in Vestergaard for a few windows. Uh, and I don't think necessarily we, that that 15 million was there and available, but had to be spent because of the Fafana incident. Mm. My worry then is this yes, we now go out and get Tarkovsky. When everybody's back fit, we're virtually going to have a team of defenders. Yeah, and, and you know, and that's a problem for the manager. He, he does he does he wait, uh, thinking, well, you know, he's going to be back from injury. He'll be back soon, and then all of a sudden, I've got the players that you know I've signed and that I wanted. But then, if yeah, he does wait and leaves it, and one of them, you know, gets another injury, and people say, well, why didn't you sort that out in the transfer window? You know, it's a bit of a no-win situation for a manager. Sometimes, it, whichever way he decides to go, it can it can go wrong either way. So, it is a tough one with that. And you know, with if Tarkovsky came in. I mean, you know, Fafana comes back, he, you'd think he'd be playing, Tarkovsky playing, Evans would be playing, and then you've got your new signing, you know, Vestergaard, who, who might be the one to miss out. And what a terrible situation that might be for a player. But, you know, at the yeah. moment for me, uh, like I say, he's not sort of showing me the player that I've seen in past seasons, you yeah. know, for Everton for, what, for whatever reason. So, you know, it's a bit of a conundrum, to be honest with you. But I think if you're a top club, you just go out and make the signing. And, you know, we yeah. keep saying we're a top club, we're a top six club. You know, you think, right, we need to sort this right now. But Liverpool are just going to sort it and go and get someone. They're going to get the man. And I think that's probably what we've got to do if we're still struggling around that time. And said there, we have the seventh most valuable squad with the third highest paid manager in the league, different Leicester than a few years ago. It certainly is. But with that, like we said earlier, comes the expectation you know, you finish fifth, you want to finish fourth. You finish fourth, you want to finish third. And, you know, uh, it, it's it's not as easy as that. It, it is on paper, but not not in in, in real life. Um, Ant said here, does Benkovic deserve a chance? I mean, I, I don't think, is he in the Premier League squad? I know he's in the Europa League squad. I don't think he's in the Premier League squad. But again, as we were talking about with Gray earlier, and Kaputska was another example Brendan Brendan had him for quite a few seasons on loan at Celtic. Played him a lot. He won the treble with under under Rogers, so he knows what he can do. But he just doesn't fancy him in the Premier League, does he? No, and you know you find that, and working with him so much, he'll, he'll know sort of exactly where he is, you know, in his mind. And and, and again, we talked about Damari earlier, and, and in Brendan's mind, he wasn't good enough. 
you know, for the first team, and he felt he had to move in on, and and then the same, you know, with with this lad. So you know, it's a tough one, uh, and and at the moment, does it look like a bit of desperation again? If we're throwing players in who either we don't mm. feel are quite right, or what we might call untried at, at this level, uh, and again for me, we need we need to settle. Like I say, we need a settled formation and a settled team. And whether it's European Cup, FA Cup, whichever one it is, I think we just need to get a team, the same team out there and get some consistency because, you know, right now with all the changes, we, we, we do look really consistent. And I don't think as supporters, we have fans, we have um, confidence, sorry, uh, in, in going into mm. any game that they're playing at the present. And it says there, Bertrand looked like he, the COVID has knocked him for six. I think what we forget with COVID is that it can go on for quite, my neighbour actually had it and, Although she was like over it, so to speak, it still took her another three or four or five weeks to get back to to, to normal. And she's not she's not an athlete. Um, yeah, I think I think Bertrand, to be honest with you, was. Um, so I'm laughing because my daughter's coming and she's making some comments, even though she knows absolutely nothing about football. And uh, Heather, what 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 are you doing to me? You like Ben Benkovic, and you need uh, you think that Bertrand? We should cut Bertrand some slack. Brett, Heather, Heather, I love you, but uh, don't try and get involved in football. As much as I know you, you know nothing past Michael. That's her favourite player, by the way. I think it's the only player she knows. Um, it's yeah, like you say, we, we will see obviously how, how that progresses. The fourth one moving on topic before we come to, to the viewers' questions. Um Watford. Seven games in, and they've sacked head coach Cisco Munoz. He's only been in charge 10, th- 10 months. The club were 14th in the Premier League. Leicester. A 13th in the Premier League. My God, you know, should Brendan be looking over his shoulder? But, you know, what, I mean, the joke is that everybody's saying, my God, you know, he didn't think he'd last seven games. Did nobody at Watford look at West Brom last season and go, hang on a second, that's what what West Brom did, and it didn't do them any good? Because you've got a new manager coming in that doesn't know the squad, He's not got a transfer. He can't go out and buy any other players possibly until January. And then if you are struggling, you don't want to spend any money out on players that you know you, you might not need if you go down. Um, what, what are clubs like Watford? And Chelsea do it at the other end, but it seems to work with them where they change the manager, they win something, then they don't win anything, they sack in, they get another manager in. But what do these clubs think they're doing? In in the case of Watford, uh, I do think it's absolutely ridiculous. Like you say, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. He's come in. He can't really change much around. And I don't think I look at the owners and think, what do you expect with the resources that you're giving your manager? You know, what do you expect him to produce? I mean, 14th place, you know, isn't a bad and bad thing. And if you if you get to the end of the season and you're and you're in uh, 14th, you know, place, yeah, a team like Watford, I'm sure the supporters would be delighted, but. You know, I think the stark moment for that club was when uh, Pearson was sacked. You know, who turned yeah. it around, looked like getting him out of the trouble. Uh, he sacks him, and they get relegated. And I'm amazed there hasn't been, you know, an outcry, or if there was, not a strong enough one from the Watford supporters. I, I just cannot believe the, you know, that the the fans have got any faith in the owners. Uh, and again, you know, the same with this guy. Maybe he wasn't the man, but. You know, you supposedly done your homework and brought him in in the first place, which I didn't realise. But I read today he'd only ever been in charge of a team for was it Tbilisi for twelve games? 
<laughs> oh god! That was his yeah. managerial career, and they brought him in, and you know, and all of a sudden, and then, and like you say, you know, after so many games or so many months, and and, and he's out on his ear, and it's like you said, you can't get the consistency. A new manager is going to come in; he's going to work with exactly the same players. He might change things around a little bit. Obviously, we know now it's Ranieri, and we know how, how good he can be. But you know, even he had a, a bad spell at Leicester and ended up leaving the club. So you know, it's definitely not a given. Whether he'll come in and be a bit more like a, a Benitez and and you know, shore them up, make them a lot tighter. Uh, and more compact and difficult to beat. And, you know, they have got a couple of really good inv- individuals, especially in the lad Saar, mm. who can, you know, turn a bit of magic and turn something into a goal. So is he going to change it around that much? I, I would have said the only, you know, advantage he's got is that he's coming in with the vast experience, you know, that he has. But for me now, I think managers now, if they just want a quick payout, they'll, they'll go and take the Watford job and know that in six months' time, they're going to get, you know, yeah, a big, you're going to get with, yeah. with the lottery, it's, it's going to be a big windfall into the bank account. But it's the, to me, it's the, uh, like you say, it's the owners not having a clue what they are doing. Uh, and it's like Blackburn, you know, they were a well-run club, they won the Premier League, Jack Walker pumped his money into that club, I actually worked there for six months, so I, I kind of know a, a bit about behind the scenes. They ended up selling to some chicken farmers from India who had no idea, got rid of Sam Allardyce, put a, a, the coach in charge, and they ended up in the third tier for a bit. I mean, if you look at uh, a team like, let's say, Norwich, who stuck with uh, Farquhar, uh, Burnley, who stuck with Sean Dyche when they went down, they did come straight back up. Okay, Watford have come back up, but he's got you up. Well, now he's got you up, give him a chance. And you've gone for Ranieri. Now, when he joined Leicester, I can remember reading a thing where there was an Italian sports psychologist and they said, whenever Ranieri goes in, he does quite well with the squad that he's taken over, but then he loses it when he's allowed to go out and get his own players. (laughs) Sounds a bit familiar, if you ask me, and you know. I think had Ranieri not taken as I love Ranieri obviously for what he did, but had he not taken over from Pearson, I don't think he necessarily would have would have won us the the league. But he didn't keep Fulham up. No, He's not a manager I, that will is any good in the relegation zone. No, no, and I, and I think you know I've obviously I played with Nigel, so I've not seen him for a long time, but know the lad quite yes. well. But yeah. you know Leicester with a form team in the last couple of months of yeah. you know the previous season. Uh, so straight away there, he's coming into a team that's in form, full of confidence, playing well. Um, and, and he's obviously, you know, a lot of credit to him for taking that mantle on. But I think a lot of credit has to go to Nigel as well for for one, yeah. turning it round at that moment and and getting, you know, that team playing um, the way they did. And yeah, like you yeah. say, with Ranieri, couldn't keep them up. It is a different animal. You know, Tuchel's gone in at Chelsea when they're really up there. They've got the funds and he can bring players in and he's already you know, inheriting a talented squad, what would he do at Watford? You know, it's a total mm. different, um, you know, scenario for however good a manager you are. So, um, like I say, for me, with Claudio, he's got the experience. Uh, again, like Rafa, who I think is a really good manager, we've said a few times on the show tonight, and that I think it'll be working hard, it'll be shape, it'll be difficult to beat, uh, and and hopefully nicking a goal, and uh, you know I can't see mm. tactics being much past that because you know um, of what he's inherited as, as a squad of players. Yep. Oh, welcome Connor, all the way from America. How the devil are you as well, sir? 
Uh, Rob McFarlane, dilly ding, dilly dong. Good luck because he'll need it. Uh, he certainly will. Oh, I remember this dilly ding, dilly dong. We are Champions League, man. We are Champions League. Um, so, as you said, Saw so and Petra both solid from Watford. I mean, I just think it with man when it comes to managerial um appointments. Fans can see it, but it's the same play, the same managers that are on that merry-go-round. You know how? I mean, you know, and and you know, you, you play golf and what have you. You know, but but has got more clubs than, than about four golfers put together, hasn't he? He's he's, every, he's been everywhere. I didn't even realize he'd left Sampdoria. I mean, why why did he leave there? Mutual consent, mm. i.e., he wasn't doing anything for them. And yet, you've got a young manager. Uh, the Bournemouth manager and his name leaves me for now, but um, Scott <laughs> Parker. Right. no, no, the one that, that, that when they went down, he left. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, Eddie Howe, yeah. Eddie Howe, exactly. Yeah, yeah. now, um, I mean, you know, when I came down here, I can remember him taking over, there were minus 17 points in the fourth tier or whatever it is, and on the way out of, of business, and he got them into the Premier League. You know, and how I can't believe he's sat there with no job at the moment, you know. But I just I just don't see, like I say, because I would as an owner look at that and thinking, well, yeah, it didn't really work for West Brom last season, so why is it gonna work for us? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've obviously met a lot of chairmen as well, and, and most that yeah. I met, lovely, jolly, lovely blokes and really good company, and you know, we, we always got on with the chairman, but you know, they, they've not, most of them have not had a life in football. They're just, you know, in, they've got themselves into that um, position of being a chairman in a club. And, and yet, yeah, you know, they're the ones making the decisions. And then sometimes you hear they have like a, an operations manager who's some ex-coach from somewhere who's advising them. And then, you know, you you, you wonder what advice they get in. And, you know, the, the, the Eddie Howe story was an absolutely fantastic story that, you know, where they stuck by him. And, and I think the, the best story at the moment is, the, is Norwich because as as fans and as a club, they seem to know where they are. And if, if they could just stay up, they would absolutely love it. And if mm. not, it's a bit of a roller coaster. But I, I could see him keeping his job again because, again, they know, you know, the resources that he's got at hand and he's lost a few good players in the summer. And, and that's what he's got to contend with because any good player that comes through into that first team, you know, is going to be cherry-picked by one of the bigger clubs. It's just, it's the nature of the beast. If, you know, Norwich are going to make the money. The club, the, the, mm. the player's going to, a, you know, a bigger club. Um, and, and that's just the way it is. And Norwich aren't going to sort of maintain or keep the, the better players, especially someone who, who really comes through and, and does well. So mm. as a club, they seem to know that. And they seem to be no not no pressure on him, but he obviously puts pressure on himself to to perform. But if they do go down, I don't think they'll sack him, and they might come back up again. And you know they'll win the championship, they'll have the Premier League for a year, and you know it, hopefully one year they'll stay up, and that'll be like a, a massive win for them. Whereas you know most other clubs would bemoan it. And it says there, what for have a decent squad, but never never have enough time to settle into a playing style, as each manager they bring in have their own ideas. I mean, this is it as well, you know. You, you've got a manager who's got a set style of play and he's just probably just got about the right team that he wants to play that style. And he's sacked. A new manager comes in who probably wants to play in a completely different style 
which the previous players won't fit into because it's square pegs in round holes. So goes out, spends a bit of money, brings some new players in. It's a vicious circle, isn't it? And how do these, you know, if these guys owned a business, the business would go out of business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and again, go back to Rafa, who's who's come in. You know, there's obviously a bit of controversy around his appointment. Um, mm. He's come in and he's set his stall out and, and, and he's done well. I mean, he's really, really hit the ground running. I think the only money he spent was the 1.75 million on Damari Gray. Other than yeah. that, you know, he's picked up, you know, a few here and there on freeze, obviously Townsend. He's already got some good players, but for me, the quality of the, the manager that he is, is that he's come in and he's hit the ground running straight away. And that's, you know, not every manager is capable, you know, of doing that. No. And like I say, it will be difficult for Ranieri. It'd be very, very difficult. I can see, you know, maybe a couple of nil-nils at best to start with when he's just trying to, you know, get that mm. solid base and then, you know, sort of coach them into the way that he wants to play. But it's a real tough ask for him. I had Watford to to go down, and uh, this, to be honest with you, has added. I think I don't think Ranieri will keep them up. As Rich says, there. Good evening to you, Rich. How the devil are you? And good evening to Nippon who joined us earlier. How the devil are you as well? Do you think he'll last the season? I don't think he'll last the season at all. No, I think it will be exactly the same story as they did with Nigel Pearson. They may have them around the 15th, 16th, 17th, and that won't be good enough. And they'll they'll sack him with probably four or five games to go. They seem to want to just live on this new manager bounce. But mm. Ranieri, we've seen it at Fulham. He is not the man to keep a team in the Premier League. Um, for me, anyway, that's for me. Well, we're going to leave it now with um, fans' questions. So um, we'll come up, we'll have a look what they've been asking. Hopefully it'll be clean. <laughs> what he's been asking in, in, in the chat. And we'll have a look at that straight after this. Um, Rennie says, um, sorry, Ant says, I hope you'll get a good reception at the King Power. I think you will. I really honestly, I mean, whatever I say when he left us, what he did will always be there. And Rennie asked, do you think uh, Watford will win the Premier League in 2022-23? <laughs> I think, to be honest with you, you're going to get bigger odds than the 5,000 to 1. If you've got a spare tenner, any, you go out and stick it on it, and then just remember who your friends are at the end. So, no, I don't... The answer to that is no, and I think you got Julian's reaction there was a no as well. Right, so let's... Um, go back now and just see if um, Rennie started here with, with a question. Do you think Luckman will improve himself uh, to be another Mares? Um I, I like him, if I'm honest. And like I said, mm. I, we talked about last week and I, and I said that, you know, he'd actually already done well in a struggling Premier League team. And I think that yeah. says a lot about him. Um, you know, he's still got to come in. Again, I feel sorry for the kid because... You know, it's this thing about the formation. We really need to sort of nail this down uh, and settle on it. And for me, Luckman, for me, it'd be either side of, you know, a striker in a 4-3-3, um, you know, maybe with Barnes on the other side. I think that would be quite an exciting combination. Uh, but I think he's been played in a few different positions at the minute. And again, that'll be difficult for the lad to settle. So I think first and foremost, you know, Brendan needs to find find the right formation that suits the team best, not just individuals. But uh 
I think he's going to be a very good player. Different player to Mares, if I'm honest. I think he'd be a bit more uh, direct. I think he'll like running directly at people. Mares, obviously, we know he, he used to go down the right and cut, like to cut inside, which he did, ever, did yeah. ever so well and still does that now. But different player, but I think could be uh, just as effective if he keeps on improving. And obviously, we need the improvement of the team as well that will help him. And I think, I think that's the thing as well, that we don't need... I, I don't want to see another Mares. I want to see another... Player, if you like, yeah. and always being compared. It's like it's like you know, you know, Vardy was to retire next week, and Daka always the new Vardy's, and it's it's mm. an albatross around your neck, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Really, you know? yeah. Terry asks here, um, Barnes, Ricardo, JJ, Fafana, and Van Dyke, etc. Do they ever get back to the pre-serious injury levels, or does a mental fear of more injury affect them? Ooh, it's a good question, that Terry. I think it depends on what it is. I mean. I was always thankful in my career that I never had bad knees. And I know, obviously, played with Steve Walsh a lot, who did. And I would find that very challenging mentally. But when you're putting your, you know, your leg down and you're turning and you're putting all that pressure on a on a place that's given way, um, yeah, you know, I think I think things like that can can affect you depending on your on your rehab. I mean, my my problems were always ankles. I mean, you just strap them up really tight, and you know, it, yeah. it, it never. That was never a part of it. They were either sore or they weren't. Um, so I think, yeah, Terry, depending on depending on the injury, you know, for me that the knees was always that one part of the body that you think, oh, you know, if that if that it's that point where you put the pressure on it. And a, a great example of it, and I, you know, poor lad for it was Scotty Taylor, who was a friend of mine when I was at, at Leicester. Who I yeah. think it was three times he snapped his patellar tendon. Um, and, and again, you know, and I think Martin gave him another contract and then he, he ended up going to Wolves very fortunately uh, with these injury problems and he, and he never really recovered from it. Uh, and that was the fact of the, sometimes when you recover from injuries, they recover stronger, as we all know, bones sometimes heal stronger. But in the case for Scotty, uh, it just became, I mean, it obviously sounds wrong, but his it is Achilles heel was his patella tendon, uh, which yes. sounds all, all wrong, but, you know, it never really got back and you could see when he when he ran he had a slightly different gait to what he did before it, you could see it affected you know his movement as well so you know to, it's a difficult one to answer terry but for the depending on how serious it is and, and where it is on your body and like i say i'll just say again for me the, the knees was always something that i would not have liked a, a bad injury there because i think that would have affected me i was i was lucky that uh i didn't mm. suffer with that through my career I think it's like, you know, you break your arm and you, well, not these days, but years ago, you used, to, you used to have it plastered into that position. And when you took the plaster off, you kind of had to ease it down. And there's always that sort of, oh, go, don't knock it again sort of thing. So I suppose it's, it's, it's always there. And ask, uh, although I don't think this is for you, I think it's just a general, well, it is a general question. Did we keep the receipt for uh, Vestergaard? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Uh, yeah, let's, let's give him a chance. Let's give the lad a chance, in fairness. I mean, absolutely, um, Chris. I think I've told you this before. It's a funny story now, but I remember on my debut, uh, someone shouted, stop the check. <laughs> which was directed. <laughs> no, directed. you never told me that. <laughs> <laughs> that. That was directed straight at the home supporter at Filbert Street. And it was like, and I knew I was having a bad game. You, you know, when you're yeah. having a bad time, and it was just like, oh, no, please. <laughs> you know, so it, it was a bad day all around that day. Does but, it, uh, does it actually affect you? Because, you know, we know Madison got a few boos when he came on, and I don't agree with booing players. But no. as a player, you do get stick from your own home fans if you. If you do, do you do you take it as what it is, or does it get to your personal? I suppose it depends on the individual. 
I mean, well, I've, re I've remembered it 30 years later, so I suppose it, <laughs> we'd have to say yes. But I think when you're here and you're on the pitch, it affects you in the game, but it's something you might reflect on, you know, afterwards. And if it was a constant yeah. thing, then, you know, it can, it can weigh you down. And I'm totally with you, Chris. I don't know, you know, it's all right. They're showing your, you know, your voice or giving your opinion, but mm. you're not helping a player who's playing for your team. You know, you're no. coming on, and the only thing that you can do when you're, you know, booing a player is have a negative impact. I don't know many players who, and there are some, but I don't know many who get booed by their own fans and relish it, and it makes them play better. So mm. really, you 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 bring in the negativity to the player, and then you bring in the negativity, yeah. you know, to your team as well. Um, so I, I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. Yeah, I'm all I'm all for criticising. I mean, that's why I do, I do this. Uh, it you know, it's football fans. We've always criticised from from were you know time dot when it comes to football. But actually, if I'm in the ground and watching them for the pre, during, and after, oh no, I don't uh, I don't like booing at all. Terry says here a second question: If midfielders in Luna, I put my teeth in and try that one again. If midfielders in front of a suspect defence are they less inclined? To play adventurous passes for favourite backfiring because the defence can't handle the repercussions. That's like a no, question I, I, time question, that Terry. <laughs> <laughs> That's the short version. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's big I mean, words uh, in there. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't think it affects players going forward, Terry. But I think you, it can have the effects the other way. In that, mm. are you do you drop even deeper because you're thinking you have to help them out more? But that means that the player that you're marking's you know in more space, so he's getting the ball and turning at you and making mm. it harder. So I suppose it you know it could affect you in that way positionally, where you just concede too much ground and space and give your opponents too much time on the ball. Uh, and you'd hope you know that that, that wouldn't happen. But so going forward, I don't, I don't think it would. But I think certainly at the minute it, there'll be there'll be doubts all around the team with that. And you you know you can. You can often see in games a goal goes in and the striker starts waving his arms and, you know, another one's gone in and, you know, you don't really want it to get to that point because, you know, that's when it can sort of fracture relationships within the team and within the eleven. So, you know, like I say, you know, and, and again with Vestergaard, we do have to give him the opportunity. He's been a really good centre-half at Southampton. He's come to a new team. And, and, and again, I'll say again that, you know, the team are struggling. And sometimes, mm. especially as a new individual into that team, you could really do with coming into a team that's absolutely flying and it just makes your life so much easier. But it's coming into a, uh, you know, a team and a squad that's in a, a difficult moment with what we expect and where we think we should be. Uh, and so hopefully, like I say, it will all settle down. The one or two important injuries will come back sooner rather than later. Uh, and it could be a lot brighter in the coming weeks. Yeah. Uh, Brookline here from America. Um is Brendan a motivator or is he just too mild-mannered to get an extra gear out of a player? Um, I think he comes across as the, you know, mild-mannered who talks to players and, and that, that can be really good for players if the, you know, if the manager explains to them every decision he's making rather than just, you know, shouts at them but doesn't back it up with any sort of facts or, or, or reasonings. But, you know, I've I've never really seen him lose it. So, and, and but it's it's what what is a motivator? You know, he's a motivator. And Neil Warnock, who you know mm -hmm. gives you the hairdryer, and Alex Ferguson, yeah. who you know top of his voice throwing and kicking football boots around the changing room. Is that is that what we class as a motivator? I'm not I'm not sure it is. I think you know the motivation can come from someone who's a good talker and a good communicator. So, I mean, it, it, in answering it, I think he is the the mild mannered 
manager. But I don't think yeah. that's always the wrong thing. But I know as fans, we sometimes would like to see their frustrations get the better of them to show you know what we consider to be passion, as we saw Pep Guardiola. You know, with the fourth official at the weekend over the you know the Milner incident, and yeah. you know he he lost the plot as far as Pep goes because he's normally fairly placid. And I think you know from what you know that question comes is do the you know do do we want to see a bit more of that you know from Brendan? But if if that's not in his makeup, then you know we're not going to see it, are we? But I think these days as well, football's changed. Is that you know I don't think managers like Clough would survive as good as he was the way he treated players i don't think you'd get away with today as for alex ferguson you know he he you know he had to turn his hair dryer down i think towards the end of his career uh Mourinho, the you know the shout out you know naming players shouting out at them and, and having to go at them i don't think that you get away with that these days no, um, I mean, the classic one for me was Mourinho's sort of uh, dislike for Luke Shaw. Uh, mm. that he said he didn't dislike, but it seemed very clear that he did and criticising him in press conferences. I mean, again, and mm. I'm not sure why you're even picking a player in your squad if that's your opinion of him, because yeah. the way he talked about him, I couldn't see Luke Shaw gleaning anything from that that would help him, you know, on a pitch when the manager yeah. says he talked him through a game because he was on the touchline next to him. I mean, it seemed fairly ridiculous to me. And for a man of Marino's experience, he's always been a clever guy, you know, with his mind games. But I, I was lost on that one, if I'm honest. You know, I can see he's wound people up in the past. I can see why he's upset yeah. people. Uh, you know, he's a clever guy and he's, you know, he's had a good career despite, you know, recent, you know, times at Man yeah. United. But that, that was a real puzzle. You know, and yeah, like, you, like you've just yeah. said, Chris, it's it's yeah. something that I think gets lost in the in the modern game and the modern footballer. Yeah, I must admit, they're just talking about Neil Warnock. I saw something today on social media, and it was a um, you can probably tell from my smile that this is going to be funny. It did make me laugh. Um, apparently, I don't know who it was, but there's a defender, and apparently Neil Warnock said to him once, he said, "Look, if you boot the ball up the other end of the pitch and it goes out, I'll give you a fiver." Just cut out the tippy taffy football. <laughs> and I'm like, please, somebody tell Brendan Rogers that. I'll send Brendan Rogers a couple of fivers to give out. You know, God, I'd have made a fortune every time I kicked it over the touchline if I'd have got that in my contract. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You could have retired earlier, couldn't you? <laughs> uh, it did. It did make me smile. Just a couple of very quick ones, then, and so then we'll, we'll 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 call it a night. But Rennie says very quickly, Julie. Julian, are you indeed or Kante? Uh, loved Kante, but I think he's shown yeah. he's a bit more versatile than we thought. But I did read a stat. I think you put it up today, Chris. Was it that in 25 games that indeed he's missed, we've only got 26 points? Yeah. I yeah. like Ndidi, and I think he yeah. could get in any team in the Premier League. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan. I think he's got a bit more. You know, Kante was more energetic and around the pitch, and you know, got around the pitch a lot quicker. I think indeed he's got a bit bit better or a bit he's got a bit more uh ability on the ball so he's a better forward pass i think and i just think he's a really strong player and he fits the yeah. mold that a lot of the big clubs are using you know with like your rodris and your fernandinos at uh, your man city and your fabinho uh at liverpool and i wouldn't swap him at the moment for for those players definitely not definitely not and the question just to end on now uh and again br said in a book that emotional connection is in, is, is as important as anything to motivate players do you agree julian 
I do because if, you know you need to get on with the player and you need to know you know where he is and I think it's that classic thing you, we, we've always said some player needs a kick up the backside and another one yeah. you know needs an arm round his shoulders you know and a, a manager a modern day manager has got to one hundred percent recognise that because if he goes the wrong way with it the player goes the wrong way with it so yeah yeah I, I, I totally agree with that you've got to know where your player is and that is the modern day manager but I think it's been coming for a long time and. I think I've always said my favourite manager was Lenny Lawrence and he was exactly like yeah. that with me. He knew exactly what I needed, uh, you know, and it was normally like just a good talking to and in the right manner. And I always responded, you know, really well to it. But then you've got other players. I mean, I think Robbie Savage has said and Ian Marshall loved Martin O'Neill because he used to give him a rocket and that's what made them respond, you know, and that and, it, and it's, a, it's a different mentality. The best managers recognise the different, you know, um, re, um, personalities of players uh, yeah. and treat them accordingly. And that's, I think, for me, how they get the best out of them. I've just been told off by Connor, who's joined us from America. Uh, I missed his question. I uh, was hoping to use the answer for some scouting practice. Let me just have a look and just very quickly, I don't know if I can see um, what your question was. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, uh, here we go. I uh, got it for you there, Connor. Very quickly, do you think there's still any position in the starting eleven that is glaring we need for depth or improvement? I'm glad to see, Yank, as an American Scot who supports Man United, that you're saying that the we for Leicester. We're converting you slowly. <laughs> <laughs> you are becoming slowly a Leicester file here. You really are. Um, yeah. I think based on what I've said tonight, just you know, the the, the central defence is a concern. As long as Evans is injured and Fafana's injured, you know, I'm not saying they will come straight back in, but you'd think if they did, and you know, players could gain a little bit more confidence, you know, in what they're doing, and it might help Vestergaard, and it might help Sionchu, uh, like mm. I say, who seems different this season in, in, a, in a you know in a bad way. So I think just those positions there really are absolutely key at the moment. I think around that we've got. Very good players and good players coming back in the positions. You know, JJ being a great example of that. Yeah, yeah. Julian, as always, sir, thank you so much. I love this. I love this show. It's, it's probably my favourite show because it shows I know absolutely nothing about football, which I knew anyway. In fairness, but, uh, no, it's not. It is nice to say because as fans, I always say this: we think in a certain way, but you know, as an ex-player. There is a completely different angle to everything that we say, you know. I think, I think worryingly, Chris, I'm agreeing far too much with you on the show. So <laughs> probably need to change that up a bit next week. So I'll have to think of something uh, controversial to say. I know you have agreed with an awful lot. Maybe, maybe I know that says more about me or you, but maybe <laughs> I'm either coming up Lights to your level. But I think it's I think it's very much I'm dragging you down to mine. <laughs> Julian, brilliant, mate. Thank you so much for that, as always. No worries. I'll, I'll let you go and uh, take care. All the best to you and your family. Uh, see I will you see week. you next Sunday. Uh, next Sunday, Please. next Tuesday. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> Cheers, Thank mate. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, thanks to Julian, as always. Um, Hi, hi, Ankit. Bye, Ankit. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Um, we're going to be back on Thursday, and we're going to be back with this.
yeah, now that's what I call football. One. Um, <laughs> if I could number each show as we go through, actually, I'd probably catch them up. Now that's what I call mu- um, <laughs> Now that's what I call football. And um, it's the monthly review show on Thursday. I'm joined by Dan um, from Turfmore House TV, my regular guest on this slot, and we will be looking back at what has gone on in football in September. So, if there's anything that you would like us to discuss. Um, that we, we might miss. It's got to be in September because September's the month we're looking at. Uh, send us a message at Leicester TID and we will do our best to discuss it for you. Uh, I want to thank everybody that joined in um, the show. <laughs> You've got a note from your mother, Ankit. was streaming myself earlier. I don't know what you mean by that. <laughs> I hope you cleaned up afterwards. Um I would like to thank Terry for coming in. Connor, of course, from America. Thanks for coming in, Connor. Renee Ant from Ant's Leicester Fan Channel and Beyond the 90 Channel. Get subscribing to them. Two great channels. Uh, Yang, we got you in there at the end with your question. Uh, thanks to everybody. Brookline for joining us. Um, Nippon popped in. Rich as well. Rob McFarlane, thanks very much. And to anybody, if I've missed you, thank you so much. Um, don't forget that if you want to uh, catch up on this, you can catch us up on podcast. You can get over to your favorite podcast platform, uh, be it Amazon Music, Apple iTunes, Google, Anchor, uh, Spotify, or Podcast Addict. And if you want to listen to us on your smart speaker, smart speaker even, it's not easy for me to say. I've got a new set of teeth today. They're not working properly yet. Get <laughs> onto your smart speaker and say, play the podcast, Lester, till I die. I don't know why you have to say podcast, but apparently you do. Um, and of course, we will be back on, well, we will be back, but we're always on Leicester Till I Die TV. Give us a sub, give us a like. We would be very, very grateful on YouTube if you want to watch it back. So we're going to be back, as I say, tomorrow at nine, uh, yes, at nine o'clock with the monthly review show. And then on Thursday, on Friday, it's the quiz. Thursday night at nine. Let's get this right. Thursday night at nine. Uh, this gin's going down really well, guys. I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, yes. More gin, please, mother. Um, nine o'clock on Thursday for the monthly review show, September with Dan. And then Friday at seven, we're back with the quiz, the big fat football quiz, which is me. And we are going to be interviewing and quizzing a Brighton fan. Yeah, maybe get our our revenge back for the match the other week. Uh, I wouldn't say we would do that. Um, (laughs) I know what you meant, Anki. I know what you meant, mate. I was just winding you up. Uh, Thanks very much for joining us, Connor. Uh, It means a lot. And it means a lot to everybody that, that, that joins us. Like I say, sub us, follow us, donate to us. We are grateful for anything that uh, that you do, even just watching us. We thank you so much. So I will see you. Um, I don't think I'm back tomorrow. I think I've got a night off, but I will see you on Thursday. Take care, guys. Thanks for joining us. Stay safe. All the best. Hello, Matt Elliott here. Be sure to watch Lester Till I Die TV on YouTube and follow all their social media platforms the latest updates and news on this.
I'll be back. Thanks for watching Lester Till I Die. This is Chris saying goodbye and see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Ultimate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? A participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.